Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy Christmas. Merry holiday thing. Happy Chrysler. It is our holiday episode. <laughs> Guess what we're doing this year? Harry Potter. Same thing we do every year. <laughs> and the half blood prince. I know. I was trying to think of something else to do after. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. As told by Basic Snitches. And other bitches. Yeah. So hop back in your time machine and buckle down for a lovely story. (laughs) It'll be grand. Get yourself a frosty beverage. I guess that means beer. Or or, or, what about a hot beverage? Yeah, like a cozy beverage. Like a cozy, like a... Like cider. A cider. Or or a a cocoa. Or a mulled wine. Mulled wine. You could probably do eggnog too if you wanted to, but we're gonna judge you because eggnog's gross. I've never actually had real eggnog. I had it once when I, I was a child, it. and I was. I like, would try this it because I will try pretty much anything except right. squid. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You'll eat a grasshopper, but you won't eat squid. You have redeemed yourself. All right, enjoy. Chapter one of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince: The Other Minister. The nameless prime minister, historically it was Sir John Major. Holy shit, you did your research. I did some research. You're like, it's... We're I in, used Google! <laughs> we're in season six now. We're gonna start, like, being accurate and shit. No, we aren't. Has had a bad week. A bridge has collapsed. There have been two scandalous murders. His junior minister has been super weird. And there was even a freak hurricane. At least the media has something interesting to focus on. Anyway, after the shit week he's had, it somehow manages to get worse. With a visit from our very own piece of garbage, Fudge Packer. Yeah, not a good time for anybody. So, whenever Cornelius Dumb Fudge shows up, it's always with bad news. First, it's that wizards exist, but he can't tell anyone because people will think he's crazy. Then it's a murderer who broke out of prison. Then it's dragons being brought into the country. Then more murderers breaking out of prison. And today, it's to tell him that the ultimate most evil wizard of the times absolutely not dead, like he said before. And also that maybe that wizard who could, cannot be named can also not be killed. But don't worry wizards are handling it. Then, finally, after waiting three-fourths of the chapter to read words we've longed to read since the end of book four, we learned that Fudgebagger was sacked! And there's a new minister of magic. And there's a new minister of magic. (laughs) Glitched out there or something. The new minister, Rufus Scrimminger, shows up and gives the prime minister the deets on his amazing security detail. Kingsley Shacklebolt is a wizard. Scrimmager and Fudge leave together and the prime minister probably contemplates changing his name and moving to another country. Narcissa and Bellatrix are walking through the ghetto and Bellatrix is being really fucking annoying. They're going to Snape's house for a wine and wine. How relatable. Skinny Dick is now Snape's bitch and he keeps trying to eavesdrop on all the hot tea that's being spilled about Snape being a very good spy. Bellatrix doesn't have two brain cells to rub together and doesn't understand why Snape is being so calculating, except she's too dumb to spell calculating correctly. This is why Barty Crouch Jr. is still the smartest Death Eater. After Snape explains himself, Narcissa begs for him to help Draco. It seems like Voldy has given Draco an assignment that's really fucking difficult, almost as if it's payback for Lucy getting caught by Aurors. How vindictive for no reason. I can't imagine this somehow backfiring. Anyways, Snape agrees to help Draco with his homework, and they seal it with an unbreakable vow. This homework must be super hard. Moral of the story is that Death Eaters is stupid as fuck. 
Based on the newspapers at the bottom of Hedwig's cage, the Ministry of Magic is making an effort to educate the wizarding community on safety measures now that they can no longer ignore the return of Voldy. These new articles vary from suggesting new terrifying ways the Death Eaters could infiltrate your life and kill you, to suggesting horrifying situations that absolutely would cause you to be paranoid 150% of the time. Being a wizard is scary. Harry is sleeping against the window, which has to be incredibly uncomfortable. He is holding a letter from Dumble that he doesn't quite believe is true. But when Dumble shows up, Harry rushes downstairs, having forgotten to tell the Dursleys, and the Dursleys don't deserve it anyway, so. Dumble invites himself in, and the Mugfucks are momentarily struck dumb. Dumble brings up Sirius's will, and Harry learns he's inherited number 12 Grimald Place and Creature. When he summons Creature to the Dursley's home, the house elf is not okay with Harry being his new master. Harry's like, who the fuck cares? This guy sucks, and definitely shares responsibility for Sirius's death. But Dumble reminds Harry that Creature knows everything about the Order, so Harry sends Creature to Hogwarts to work with the house elves there. Harry rushes to pack everything so they can leave, but before they do, it is time for Dumble to unleash his sass upon the Dursleys. He basically tells them that they're garbage humans, and those of us reading the books are wondering why he hasn't called them out on their bullshit before now. Dumbledore sends Harry's belongings to the burrow before they leave. Then, as a subtle fuck you to the Dursleys, Dumble uses magic to open the front door as they step outside into the night. Adam fucked up. It was an honest fuck up. We're out of order on our chapter. We're going to try something different. We do a 30 second recap of what happened in the chapter. I'm going to go first. Adam, are you ready to time me or do you need me to time myself? I'm ready. So Dumbledore is like, Harry, we got to go find this guy. And they go to this little town. Um, and it's really creepy. And they kind of set it up to be really scary or whatever. And they go into this house, which um, they kind of just rudely go into. And Dumbledore's like, he's here somewhere. And surprise, he's Couch. Uh, and it's Professor Horace Leghorn who taught potions. And um, then he's like, this is Harry. And then Dumble goes to the bathroom. No. <laughs> Was that the end? Yes, the word that came out of my mouth. <laughs> enough enough of this tripe it's much <laughs> well good you can pick up where i leave off shit even. wait hold on <laughs> just i'll just start go. off somewhere yep. okay i believe in you they made Horace out slughorn and he used to be the potions master back in the day like in the 70s whenever the, the lily and james were there anyways that he collects students as in he's like oh my god come to my club and be my friend i got all the blacks except for that one that sounds really racist but that's not what i mean at the end though harry's like yeah i'll come or not harry the, the other one it's like, it's like, it's like yes i'm gonna come i because i want harry on my collection time double brings harry inside and pieces out Harry is left seeing a discouraged-looking Tonks, who also follows suit. Molly then makes Harry onion soup in like five seconds in the middle of the night, and then Arthur arrives home. They discuss Arthur's new promotion as the head of the office for the detection and confiscation of counterfeit defensive spells before ushering him off to bed in the twins' old bedroom. A strange reminder that not only are the twins living it up in Diagon Alley, but in a way, their dad is overseeing the sort of magic they're there creating. Harry wakes up to Ron and Hermione ambushing him with excitement. Soon after, Ginny arrives and they all start shit-talking Molly? Psych, nope, Fleur, aka Flem, 
is there to prove once again that Juicy Lucy, which is what the author's name is for this episode. Oh, I said it in this thing. I'm sorry. We can use another username for her. Since I said username, we're going to refer to her as Princess Pickles 69. Psych, nope, Fleur, aka Flem, is there to prove that once again, that Princess Pickles 69, which is what we're calling the author, hates French people. She's engaged to Bill and is super annoying. We also learn that perhaps Molly and Arthur are trying to hook up Bill with Tonks. But Tonks is too depressed because of Sirius. Oh, hey, another new rule remember that word of the day at pb's playhouse where everyone says that <laughs> that and everyone screams well sorry. The- i hurt myself into confusion <laughs> i used all of it's my jokes this thing in the last episode it's okay here it is again it's a good joke the word of the book is serious and every time someone brings him up because princess pickle 69 is making sure that everyone brings him up awkwardly Harry wants to scream. Harry decides this is a good time to tell Ron and Hermione he has to kill Voldemort, and his friends are super supportive of him, and he feels a huge relief. But while this is happening, Hermione squeezes one of the twins' joke contraptions that were left in the room, and it punches her in the face faster than Marietta Edgecrombe would seek her revenge. They go downstairs so that Molly can nurse her back to health, and the owls, figuratively and literally, fly through the window. Everyone did pretty good. Notably though, Harry did better than Hermione in data analysis. Looks like he's going to become a researcher like he's always wanted. Oh wait, that's right. He wanted to be an Auror and he got an E in potions, which despite meaning exceeds expectations, means that Harry is a big old dummy. <laughs> I like how that gotcha. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm gonna say <laughs> okay. And he got an E in potions, which, despite meeting, exceeds expectations. <laughs> Harry is a big old <laughs> dummy dum dum. The chapter opens with Harry having a pleasant end of summer break with the Weasleys at the borough. Harry is thrilled since he gets news that he will be Quidditch captain when he returns to Hogwarts. While Harry is trying to have a nice time ahead of returning to school, all the occupants of the borough are aware that things are changing and times are becoming very dark and dangerous in their world. The the Weasleys, as usual, arrange a back-to-school shopping trip to Diagon Alley to get everyone's school supplies. The whole group, Harry, Ron, Hermione, and the Weasleys, including Ginny, arrive at Diagon Alley and Mrs. Weasley remarks, that many of the biggest shops are abandoned, including Ollivander's, and the once crowded streets are sparse. At Diagon Alley, the whole group meets up with Hagrid, who provides their security while they shop. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to Madame Malkin's shop for new robes as their first stop. At Madame Malkin's, they run into Draco and Narcissa Malfoy. Draco makes very discriminatory marks about Hermione being muggle-born, and Narcissa flat-out threatens Harry. Harry, being a boss, does not back down and challenges her to attack him in broad daylight. She backs down, and she and Draco exit the shop. Bye, losers! After the trio has gotten their new dress robes, they reunite with the Weasleys in Fred and George's joke shop, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which is positively buzzing with customers. Yay, Fred and George! While they are exploring the wonderful products that Fred and George have created, Harry spots Malfoy running down the street without his mother. Harry tells Ron and Hermione, and they use the invisibility cloak to leave the joke shop and follow Malfoy to Nocturne Alley. They follow Malfoy to Borgen and Burke's, and they use one of Fred and George's extendable ears to eavesdrop on the conversation between Malfoy and the proprietor, Borgen. 
Malfoy asks Borgen to fix something that Malfoy cannot bring into the store. Malfoy threatens Borgen and tells him that his family is friends with Fenrir Greyback, and Malfoy also insinuates that there is an object that Borgen will also keep safe in the shop, in addition to the object that is elsewhere. Malfoy swears Borgen to secrecy and tells Borgen to not even tell anyone in his family about this, including his mother. After Malfoy leaves, Hermione goes into the shop to see if she can figure out what Malfoy is keeping in the store. Because she's not all that convincing, he does not disclose anything, and she, Harry, and Ron make their way back to the joke shop and reunite with the Weasleys. After five books filled with Draco being obsessed with Harry, we learn that the feeling is mutual, and Harry cannot stop thinking about the blonde little fucker and what he's been up to. Hermione and Ron couldn't be less interested in Malfoy and his bullshit, but Harry even tells Mr. Weasley his suspicions just before boarding the train to school. Harry is sitting with Neville and Luna on the train when he and Neville are invited to have lunch with Professor Slughorn. When they arrive, they are introduced to a handful of other students with famous relatives who were invited along with Ginny. And here is Slughorn's first gathering of the Slug Club for the school year. When they start to head back after the meal, Harry has a stupid idea to follow the one Slytherin boy who had been in the Slug Club meeting back to the Slytherin carriage so he can spy on Malfoy under his invisibility cloak. Harry almost gets away with this stupid idea, but Malfoy is suddenly much smarter and more observant than he's been before and catches him. He immobilizes Harry, then covers him with his invisibility cloak so nobody will find him and leaves him to think about how stupid he'd been. Harry lays there feeling helpless and starting to feel as if everyone's suddenly forgotten the Chosen One, including Neville and Luna back in his cabin. But luckily, Luna and her intuition and Spectra, oh wait, no, just the movie kind of doing something that makes sense. Oh, actually, it's the other Book 5 Quen, Tonks, who comes to Harry's rescue. She fixes Harry's nose, but keeps the blood there for Hermione to take care of later. Sends her new Patronus to the castle as a message that Harry's been found, and escorts him up, only to be taken in by Phil. Oh god, another switcheroo? And it's Snape? Well, that sucks. Snape sure has his chest puffed out for some reason and is laying the asshole on real thick as he takes Harry to the Grand Hall. You called it the Grand Hall? Why? What's it called? The Grand Hall? But it's it is grand. also grand. It's it is grand. also grand. It's a grand, it's a grand hall. hall. To the Grand Hall. Also, not really mentioning the blood all over Harry's face. When they get there, Harry gives a half-assed response to what happened to him, just in time for dessert, and then Dumble's speech. Haggard and Trelawney are both notably at the head table, and of course, everyone notices Dumbly's crispy head. Dumble's speech is about what you expect, blah, blah, Voldemort, blah, blah, security. And oh yeah, welcome Slughorn. He's taking over potions because Snape is now going to be teaching data analysis. Harry rises into the air and his head spins around and he starts speaking in tongues. Now we know why Snape was so proudly showing off his dick earlier. Afterward, Hagrid comes to greet Harry and Ron, asking them to come see Buckbeak with their wings Jesus! And bids them goodbye with a see you in class tomorrow. Except now it's their turn to be the assholes. <laughs> As none of them are taking care of magical creatures this year. Womp womp. First day of class, the trio go down to the Great Hall and wait to hear from McGuh about the class schedules, which is terribly inefficient. Quen McGuh throws shade at Neville's grandmother, and we learn that Slughorn is not as uptight as Snape regarding who he accepts in his potions class. So, Ron and Harry do not have to give up their ambitions of being Aurors like they feared. 
We get our first look at Snape as Defense Against the Dark Arts Professor. Not that anyone is surprised, but he continues to be an insufferable asshole to students and reminds us he's, he's a miserable garbage teacher. He also doesn't teach them a fucking thing. As per usual, Harry manages to get detention the first day of class. Later on, also per usual, special circumstances mean that he doesn't have to do the detention, at least not yet. This time, it's because Dumbledore wants to hang out with Harry at the same time that Snape sets detention. How convenient. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to Potion and get to experience Leghorn as a professor for the first time. Because Ron and Harry were not planning on taking potions this year, neither of them have purchased books, so Slughorn gives them old copies from the store cupboard. They go to brew their potions, and Harry decides to follow the additional and edited instructions that were written into his textbook by a previous owner. This results in him producing the best potion in the class, Slughorn being incredibly impressed with him, and his friends being annoyed with him. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and he gets Felix Felicis. He sure do. After continuing to slay the potions game, much to Hermione and Ron's frustration, it's time for Harry's first private Dumble lesson. After dodging Trelawney mumbling incorrect tarot information to herself, he makes his way to Dumble's office. They're taking a field trip into the Stone Basin. Today's field trip is to the village of Little Hangleton's shittiest house, courtesy of former ministry officer Bob Ogden, the House of the Gaunts. What a horrible last name. They have a snake Gaunts! Name. The House of the Gaunts. I can't do it when I'm doing it like that. What a horrible last name. They have a snake nail to the door. Justice for snake part two. I'm sorry, do. <laughs> do! You know that, like, inside joke? Yeah. I love it. That's it's all I'm better. saying. You guys, if you want to know the inside joke, you get to know me. And the muddy son, Morphin, a horrible first name, falls out of a tree and starts screeching at Bob in partial tongue. His father, Marvolo, that sounds familiar, comes running out and upon Bob being begrudgingly invited in, we learn that Morfin is in trouble for giving a muggle hives for no reason. Amidst this, we see that Marvolo calls Bob a mudblood. Um, why are you being a racist when your fucked up son is a mudhead? Get that weirdo a bath. And he also has a daughter, Marobe, sitting in the corner trying to cook, but Marvolo keeps berating her like the douche fuck he is. He also in true Slytherin dick form, treats Bob's decree for Morphin to testify at the ministry for his crime with apathy, as he raves that they are the final descendants of Salazar Slytherin, waving around a suspicious and familiar looking ring and locket. This rant is interrupted as the very muggle that Morphin hexed drives right by the snake house and their conversation can be heard through the window. As Marope perks up and starts batting her eyelashes, if she has any, at the muggle man Tom, Morphin knows that his sister has a crush and the family speaks in parcel tongue about this, leading to Marvolo having a complete outburst at both Marope and Bob, who is left to flee the house. Field trip is over, and Harry and Dumble summarize what they just witnessed. We, of course, learn that following this, Marvolo and Morphin go to Azkaban, leaving Marope to fuck around with Tom, and they make Baby Voldy. Not the weird, neat Baby Voldy that Skinny Dick made a couple books ago, but actual Baby Voldy. Dumble confirms with Harry that this is all for Harry's best interest in surviving the prophecy. On the way out, Harry notices a ring and puts two and two together, that Dumble was wearing that ring that he saw on their field trip right around the time that he got his crispy hand. Well done, gumshoe Harry. After Harry's first lesson with Dumbledore, 
This chapter returns to the usual Hogwarts shenanigans. The students have next to no free time. Harry irritates Hermione by being better at something than she is. Honestly, she has a right to be mildly annoyed here. They are expected to do nonverbal spells. Nobody actually teaches them how to do nonverbal spells, but they are expected to do them nonetheless. Because they're so busy, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have conveniently been unable to visit Hagrid to gently explain to him that they are busy enough with schoolwork and avoiding being murdered by dark forces on a regular basis, but they just couldn't fit in magic school-approved murder-maiming injury attempts into their busy schedules. Also, R.I.P. Robbie Coltrane. Sad faces. On top of all that, Harry is Quidditch captain and holding tryouts later that apparently half the school signed up for because the Gryffindor Quidditch team is suddenly so popular. Oh, Harry, you're so sweet and dumb there. (laughs) I do like how you did not acknowledge that it says holding trouts. But I like that idea. Oh, it does say trouts. It's (laughs) autocorrected to trouts. I love that. They're just sitting up there holding trouts. It would make Quidditch far more interesting. I agree. (laughs) That's what they have to beat away from. The trio get their mail, giving Harry another opportunity to appall Hermione regarding all things potions, then casually chat about impending doom and gloom and their ever-diminishing safety. Oh, you kids. You were never safe in the first place, as Hogwarts has been a death trap since day one. Harry leads Quidditch tryouts, which appears to be something of a circus, and we are introduced to not only Lavender Brown's crush on Ron, but also possibly one of the dumbest people to grace the Quidditch pitch, Cormac McLaggen. I think Cormac McLaggen is a whiskey I don't want to drink. Anyway, Harry somehow comes up with a decent team, I think? It's Quidditch and it makes no sense. Ron manages to get on the team, and I'm not sure he needed any extra help, Hermione. Harry, Ron, and Hermione all finally trek down to Hagrid's hut and give each other some sass before consoling Hagrid about the imminent death of the giant freaking spider in the forest, then lie through their teeth about Grubbly playing to make him happy. They all cheerfully tromp back up to the castle for dinner and Harry's detention when old Sluggy tries to get Harry and Hermione both to join him for a little dinner party, completely ignoring Ron and putting him in one of his oh-so-pleasant funks. Lucky, question mark, for them, the newspaper gives them the opportunity for some distraction and to focus Harry's not unfounded but unsettling Malfoy obsession. And finally, Snape just had to go and be a little shit about Harry's attention conflicting with Slughorn's party. Dude, seriously, why do you have to be so shitty? Harry, go take those protective gloves whether Snape tells you to or not. Chapter 12, Silver and Opals. What a pretty chapter title. Too bad it's a really rough chapter. We open with Harry experimenting with the Prince's potion book in the middle of the night. What a great time to try out Levicorpsis, which makes all of his roommates rise out of bed. Everyone takes it in stride, and that's where the happiness in this book stops. At least it seems like Harry's getting the hand of the nonverbal spells. At breakfast, Hermione makes some great points that this is the same spell that Death Eaters used on the Muggles at the Quidditch World Cup, and the risk of using spells that we don't know the source of. Harry also realizes that he actually saw the memory of his father using it on Snape. Whoa, could his father be the Half-Blood Prince? If so, that would be awesome, since the Prince is a better teacher than Snape! It's time for a trip to Hogsmeade! Yay! Yay! No? This weather sucks. Zonko's closed. As soon as they get into Honeydukes, Harry gets accosted by Slughorn again to join Slug Club. And then they look at the most boring candy. They see Mundungus skittering away with a bunch of Sirius's, now Harry's, old possessions. How could this trip get any worse? They take a moment from the cold to have some nice warming beverages in the three broomsticks in which Ron takes a moment to be able to ogle Madame Rosmerta. 
ew. And then it's time to go back to the castle since Hogsmeade sucks this year. On the way back, they run into Katie Bell and Sarah Price with a mysterious <laughs> package that Katie somehow came across from the bathroom at the Three Broomsticks. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Someone at the castle. In the heated discussion between these two friends that Harry can hear loud and clear despite the noisy wind because it is, after all, Sarah Price. <laughs> the package opens and the necklace inside comes into contact with Katie. She rises into the air, apparently cursed, shrieking. When she comes back down, everyone in horror, Harry runs into Hagrid, who scoops her up and takes her up to the castle. Mika also comes down and brings the trio and Sarah Price up to the castle as well to figure out what just happened. The necklace was indeed at Borgen and Burke's the night they saw Draco being a dick to Borgen, and is apparently very memorable, as they recall seeing it multiple times. Just as the reader is meant to, Harry says he suspects Draco from that evening when they were spying on him, when we learn that Dumble isn't at Hogwarts and will return on Monday in time for their next lesson. We also learn that Draco wasn't at Hogsmeade because he sucks at Transfiguration. Ha, bitch! Who's the dummy dum-dum now? Katie Bell is sent to St. Mungo's, and Harry continues to speculate about how Draco could possibly be guilty of passing her the cursed necklace. Harry goes to Dumbledore's office for their next lesson and repeats his suspicions about Malfoy and gets some sass from our favorite former Slytherin headmaster, Phineas Nagellus. They also discuss the piece of garbage known as Mundungus Fletcher and how he stole from the Order headquarters, and Phineas leaves to go see what all the fucker has stolen. Dumbledore takes Harry into the Pensieve, into his own memory. Together with the Dumbledore from the past, they visit the orphanage where Tom Riddle lived prior to coming to Hogwarts. After serving the matron of the orphanage some magical gin. Oh my god, that's my nickname. Fuck all this ice Magical gin? Magical gin. Past Dumble, and therefore current day Dumble and Harry, learns that Tom Riddle is a weird ass kid, and also likely a bully, and that the orphanage would not be sad to see him go. Undeterred by this information, Dumble continues to meet with 11-year-old future Moldy. Past Dumble tells the creepy orphan that he's a wizard, and it is clear immediately that this kid is a fucking psychopath. After that disturbing memory, current Dumble and Harry debrief on everything they've just seen. As Dumble sends Harry to bed, he drops some horcrux hints. A thing for Potato Lady. <laughs> October 17, 1974. Teenage hormones. Ugh. Long pregnant <laughs> Oh, Those are stage directions. I know, <laughs> and I'm going to read them. <laughs> because they're so great. Just kidding. That's how it starts. But there is redemption in this chapter. So what you may have expected to be another time where Adam is irritated by all the teenage angst this chapter is steeped in. Think again, motherfucker. So yes, it You're does. You're doing great, honey. <laughs> You're doing great, Sweetie. Honey. I think it's your birthday. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great, sweetie. You're welcome. She just wiped a tear out of her eye. <laughs> We're back. We got the energy back. It, something happens. <laughs> I need to put on lip balm. You need to kiss. We did it. So yes, it does start with, OMG, he kissed her and she kissed him and she's his sister. And that means I'm a big brother. Read the next thing as if it's an orgasm sound, but if it's like a valley girl. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> Is that all you got? That wheeze? Who? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm going for? I'm going to be like, ah! Oh. Uh, 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 
Yes, it is irritating. Ron and Ginny scream at each other in what, as I read this chapter, pictured to be a stairwell in your garden variety late 90s, early aughts high school. Until I remember this is Hogwarts. Yes, I may have been three sheets to the wind. Some of us are now. And Harry suddenly realizes that he has hormones too. Despite what he thought of her visiting Madame Puttyfoot's last year and gets irrationally angry at Dean for necking his future wife. I told you Harry is good at divination. Uh, I think this is the most chaotic thing ever. Like, <laughs> as you're reading this thing that I wrote, I'm like, this is hard to follow, but I'm fine with it. It's entertaining. Oh, you know what else we have in this shockingly realistic chapter? The pressure of your peers to excel above all else in a very stressful environment. Ron is irritable and almost quits the Quidditch team. The Harry gives him a dose of tough love and then a dose of placebo effect. Uh, <clears throat> Felix Felicis wink no literally i want you to wink i know they can't see it just wink god damn it i winked at you twice i don't know how to wink i can't do it <laughs> winked at you three times oh my god clutch <laughs> my pearls yeah that's it felix felices <laughs> so ron walks into that quidditch pitch with his dick helicoptering because malfoy is sick and the sky's blue motherfucker <laughs> anywho it's party time and guess where ron is Sticking his tongue down Lavender Brown's neck, pretending he's the basilisk sliding down into her chamber of secrets. Harry's like, oh shit, better check on Hermione. Because clearly Madame Meatloaf was trying to make it super obvious that Ron and Hermione are going to end up together at the end of the series in this chapter. She's sulking in an empty classroom. Hogwarts has so many empty classrooms because Dumbledore fired all the math teachers. It's canon! When who walks in? The Basilisk and the Chamber of Secrets. Hermione shoots birds at Ron's head. Hermione is a catty bitch, which is horribly out of character. Luna is Quen just for existing. Harry does what he does best and eavesdrops on Snape and Draco. It's Christmas time, and you know what that means. The Weasleys are throwing knives at each other. Coming off the last chapter, Harry is recounting the conversation he overheard between Draco and Snape, and on par, nobody believes him or believe it's of any consequence, and unfortunately, that means Arthur and Lupin as well. Lupin is looking like Skinny Legend, revealing that he has been living underground as a spy for the werewolves, who are on Voldy's side, mostly due to some huge dick named Frenrir Greyback, who is also... <laughs> oh my god, who is also learned. Who is also learned. Who is also learned. The one who bit Lupin. That's what it fucking says. How nice. sexy. So good for me. Fleur is like... Umblero? Omblero. It means badger. Omblero. So Molly's like, Santa's coming, go to bed. Ron wakes up to a hideous necklace from his purple girlfriend? Lavender. Ah, I get it. <laughs> That's her name now. Her name purple. is Purple Girlfriend. Her, no, her name is Purple Girlfriend. <laughs> I love it. Even forever. And, forever after all. And Harry wakes up to a snitch sweater, some wheezes, and maggots. Speaking of maggots, or another word that rhymes with it, guess who shows up at <laughs> breakfast? Wow. Sorry, I had to do it. Percy! <laughs> but nothing super interesting comes from him. What's the most intriguing is that the lion man wants to speak to Harry. He left his tin man friend and his scarecrow friend at home. Did I write that? No, I said that. Oh my god. We are a team. They then take a little stroll through the garden where lion man says that he'd like Harry to come pop his head in the ministry now and again and give people hope. Harry calls out the ministry for their performative bullshit. 
Merry Chrysler. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's Christmas. Everyone goes back to Hogwarts after Christmas and the fat lady is hungover. Hermione is still being super immature about Ron and Lavender. The students all learn that they'll be able to take apparition classes soon. Apparently, out of all the wizards in sixth year, Harry is the only one who has ever apparated. Harry has a meeting with Dumble. Then they chat about their holidays and have a bitch fest about the minister. After an awkward but touching moment between them, Harry fails to get the headmaster to dish on all his Draco and Snape secrets. Finally, Dumble takes Harry into the memory of Morphin Gaunt and oh, I'm sorry Morphin Gaunt there it is and then surprise Horace Slughorn except that one's a bit weird Dumble tells Harry that Professor Slughorn has altered his memory and gives him homework get our favorite armchair or potions professor to give him the real memory. That'll be easy, right? Harry tells Hermione and Ron about his homework, and we learn that horcruxes are such a rare form of magic that Hermione hasn't even heard of them. Ron says he should just ask Slughorn about it at potions. For some reason, Harry listens to Ron, and it doesn't go well. So now after potions, Slughorn is, albeit temporarily, Anki. And Hermione and Ron are being bitches because Harry knows what a bezoar is and he has the nerve enough to provide that to Slughorn before he becomes angry. Luckily, it's a good thing that Harry learns this, so I guess well done Snape for writing that in that book. Hermione has found hardly any information about Horcruxes other than that they're bad. Speaking of bad, why is it that a school for children has some of these awful books in the restricted section? It's time for apparition class, which should be fun and exciting if it weren't for their ministry trained professor Wilkie Twycross being almost as bad a teacher as Snape. Everyone just falls on the ground for an hour, except for Susie Bones, who breaks hers. Harry chooses this moment to spy on Draco, and then becomes obsessed at looking for him on the Marauder's map, which somehow he keeps disappearing from. Soon it's Ron's birthday. Goiter Lady made Ron a Pisces for some reason, which shows that Goiter Lady didn't research astrology at all when she wrote this book. In Harry's search for his boyfriend on the map, he didn't notice that Ron, in a birthday frenzy, ate the cauldron cakes that Harry had removed from his trunk that, speaking of horcruxes, Romilda Vane gave him. So now Ron loves Romilda. Too bad Hermione isn't here to see this. Harry thinks fast and brings Ron to Slughorn's office, who gives Ron the anecdote and then poisons him with mead. Good job, Slughorn. Luckily, Harry knows all about Bezoars now. Everyone is visiting Ron in the hospital wing after his nighttime oopsie-daisy. <laughs> Hillary tells the events of the evening to Fred and George, and they, Hermione, and Ginny all discuss who they think the poison may have been meant for. Ron, Harry, Slughorn, Dumble. Regardless, it's hella sus. Hagrid shows up, soon followed by Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Harry, Hermione, and Hagrid all leave the Weasley family to be with Ron, and on their way out, Hagrid lets it slip that Dumble is angry with Snape. Again, sus. Harry questions him, and Hagrid refuses to tell them anything. He then proceeds to tell them everything he knows. <laughs> Snape didn't want to do something anymore, and Dumbledore was like, that's too damn bad. Sounds like the grandpa in the movie Holes. That's too damn bad! 
I've never seen that movie, but I saw that like seventy years ago. I who cares? Too damn bad. When when they get back to their dorm, Mary is approached by McLaughlin. That was an autocorrect, but I'm not changing it. Who is quite pleased? Ron is hospitalized so he can play keeper at the next Quidditch match. Harry reluctantly agrees. The next day, the gossip about Ron's night time oopsie daisy spreads quickly, and Harry is constantly berated by Lavender and McLaugh, which I'm sorry. He does not deserve a whimsical fucking <laughs> nickname. I just didn't feel like typing it out. Well, well I don't... Call McBlah. <laughs> no, we can call him Mick Dickface. How about Dick that? Face. Berated by Lavender, who also does have a nickname, by the way, and it's Purple Girlfriend. Purple Girlfriend and Mick Dickface and is super fed up with it. Harry finds out that Ron has been pretending to be asleep whenever Purple Girlfriend goes to visit him, and Purple Girlfriend is clearly threatened by Ron's friendship with Hermione. Harry goes to visit Ron in the hospital wing before the Quidditch match, where he begs him to break up with Purple Girlfriend. On his way down to the Quidditch pitch, Harry runs into Malfoy and two girls who are going to probably have a threesome instead of going to the match. More sus, because Draco is gay. I added that part. Harry is almost late to the match because he's upset he can't join the threesome. Sports happen, and long story short, McDickface accidentally cracks open Harry's skull, and Harry wakes up in the hospital wing. Skull's cracked open and no big deal here, but Quinn Pomfrey still wants Harry to stay overnight anyway. During the night, Harry comes up with an idea and summons Creature, who also shows up with Dobby, mid-lover's quarrel. He tells them he wants them to stalk Malfoy for him and give him updates so he can find out what he's up to. Creature is not happy at all to be doing this, and Dobby is a little too happy to be doing this. The end. Yeah, that was a good thing. Thanks. I like my thing. I like your thing, too. Thanks. Alright, well, I'll leave. Ron and Hermione are officially friends again because Hermione remembered that Ron is mortal. As they're walking along the corridor, they run into Luna and Ron praises her for her bomb-ass commentator skills and gets a free onion. And Harry gets another lesson scroll. Once again from an unlikely messenger. But hey, yay for free onions! Then Ron breaks up with Purple Girlfriend. In the lesson, Dumble chastises Harry in typical kooky demeanor for not trying hard enough to get Slughorn's memory from the previous lesson. Yeah, because Harry hasn't had anything else going on, like skull fracture or making sure your students are poisoned to death, sweetie! And now it's time to jog some memories! The first memory features Umbr- Oh wait, that's not the pink- Well, you could have fooled me. The first memory features Hepzibah Smith, an old, fluffy, papery, pink cupcake lady who creepily flirts with a younger Voldy who basically looks like the human version of a fireplace poker at this point. Hepzibah has him look at her cup and then her locket, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We exit the memory and Dumble tells us that two days later the house elf Hokey killed Cupcake Bitch, but we all know it was Voldy since the cup, which belonged to Hufflepuff, from whom Cupcake Bitch has descended, by the way, and the locket, which belonged to, oh, you already know have gone missing. <gasps> Second memory is from Dumble. It's about 20 years later from when Valdi killed Cupcake Bitch, and we now see that Valdi has transformed from a fireplace poker into a candle. Candle Boy wants a job, and Dumbledore's like, FUCK NO! You look weird and your friends are all at the hogshead. I know what's up, now GET OUT! We leave this memory and Harry asks why Candle Boy wanted the data job anyway. Dumble's like, look at him. Only evil people want to work with numbers and statistics. Just kidding. That would have been dope. But instead, Dumble waves his hands around and says in a spooky voice, You'll find out later.
like he always does. Also, BT Dubs, this is when the curse of the data professors began. So you mean to tell me that they've had to hire a new data professor now for what, like 25 years? How the hell does Hogwarts not have only one star on Glassdoor? That turnover rate is abysmal! Harry looks to the Half-Blood Prince for help in convincing Slughorn to give up his memory. Hermione tells him it won't work and continues to hate on the book. Ron tries to write an essay on Dementors, but his spell check quill has lost the strength in the charm and Hermione fixes his mistakes for him. Dobby and Creature arrive to tell Harry their updates on stalking Malfoy for him. He learns that Malfoy has been going to the Room of Requirement. This just makes Harry obsess more over his favorite Slytherin. Before we know it, Harry is now spending his free time creeping around the seventh floor corridor under the invisibility cloak. To break up the moments of obsession, Harry goes to date analysis where he and Ron are both sassy when Snape is being an asshat. After the two idiots lose points for their house, we get to see them reunite with another stalker, Moaning Myrtle, who Harry has understandably tried to avoid for the last several books. When Ron, Hermione, and lots of other six years go to Hogsmeade for extra apparition lessons, Harry goes back to stalking Malfoy. This time, however, he runs into Tonks. There's a generic description of how she must be depressed because mothballs didn't bother to really develop her character. Because she looks thin and her hair is mouse-colored. The two have an awkward exchange and then Harry returns to the Great Hall to Ron and Hermione. Harry shares his weird theory about Tonks being in love with Sirius. Ron says something stupid about women and Gwen Hermione admirably manages not to shank him for being an idiot. He's an idiot. Ron and Hermione prepare for their apparition exams, while Harry gets another mysterious scroll from some random messenger. But as we know from the last lesson and the last chapter, Dungle is in Palm Springs. This message is from Hagrid. Aragog died by falling down a very, very, very large water spout and would like some company as he buries his terrifying friend. To which all three of the trio are like, fuck that. They also remember Felix Felicis as a great tool to help Harry finally get Slughorn's memory since he has fucked around enough with the room of requirement. Harry tries one final time to get on Slughorn's good side by creating an amazing euphoria potion during their potions class. It probably should have been canceled during apparition exams, but alas, Slughorn does and drink it. Probably because he has to get ready to get turks later that evening. Yeah, that's the only thing he doesn't drink in this chapter. Jesus Christ. <laughs> For real. Hermione passed and Ron failed their exam as expected. And Harry decides that it's time to bring out the big guns. He takes a sip of the Felix Felicis and to Ron and Hermione's dismay he says he's going to visit Hagrid. So apparently the potion boosts intuition as well. There are several details that help Harry along the way such as Filch leaving the door unlocked and endangering an entire building of children during a very dangerous time, but luckily Harry finds Slughorn on the way, picking up magical plants from Sprout. Harry reveals himself and urges Slughorn to join him with the bait of some very valuable acromantula venom. Slughorn, the party animal, also uses this as an excuse to drink and runs up to the castle to grab some wine and other various venom and memory-holding bottles before joining Harry and Hagrid. How relatable! They have a brief funeral where Slughorn gets his venom, and then they go inside to reminisce while imbibing another toxic which very quickly turns into Harry almost killing two adult men with alcohol poisoning. An unexpected theme in this book. Hagrid falls asleep and then Harry successfully guilt trips a very inebriated Slughorn into handling the memory over as it will help him defeat the wizard who killed everyone's favorite ginger, Lily. And finally, Harry has achieved his goal. Hopefully once Dumble gets back from the Trixie Motel, he isn't a dick to him in the next lesson. 
Harry heads back to the castle, but the Felix Felicus is wearing off, so he almost gets noticed by Peeves, and does get told off by the fat lady. But that's because he woke her up, and that's just rude. He then goes to Dumble's office, after nearly headless Nick tells him that the headmaster is back. Dumble is surprised to see him, but doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that Harry is out of bed at this late hour. When Harry tells him he has Slughorn's memory, they immediately pour into the pensive. In the memory, Harry and Dumbledore learn that Professor Slughorn temporarily lost his fucking mind and told a student who was clearly being shady as fuck about the very obvious evil magic of Horcruxes. He is redeemed somewhat by not knowing exactly how to create them, but still shared a lot of information and is very clear why he didn't want anyone to know what he had told Tom Riddle 50 plus years ago. Harry and Dumble now discuss what exactly Horcruxes are now that they have seen Slughorn's entire memory. It is very clear that Dumble knew most of this information already because he is first class at keeping stuff from everyone else. But today he's telling Harry at least 20% of what he'll need to know, which is honestly a lot when it comes to Dumble. Long story short, Voldy has created six Horcruxes so that he can be immortal. Dumble knows more or less what all of them are because of course he does. And surprise, Harry, two of them have already been destroyed. But don't think that makes any easier because even Dumble does not know where they all are. Harry does finally get some closure on Dumby's crispy hand and learns the full story behind that. But even though Harry got all kinds of interesting story time in this chapter, it still ends with the reminder that Harry's life is definitely not going to get any easier. All the couples broke up and Katie Bell is back. Wow, things are going great lately. I sure hope that Harry doesn't fuck this up. On one of his rounds to check out the room of requirement, Harry actually does see Draco on the Marauder's map, hanging out with Myrtle and doing one of Myrtle's favorite activities, crying. When Draco sees Harry watching him in the mirror, they both pull out their wands and start waving them at each other. They are two teenage boys in a bathroom after all. Myrtle watches on with bated breath. Out of Draco's comes an unforgivable curse and out of Harry's comes Sectum Sempra, the spell from the potions book that was annotated with for lovers or for enemies. And blood starts to pour out of sudden lacerations all over Draco. Whoopsie daisy. At least Harry won this duel. Of course, wherever Draco is, Daddy Snape is not far away. <laughs> is not far away. Yes. And he comes running to save his little baby. You better believe I'm oh. gonna edit that out of context. I'm gonna have a new thing on my computer called Daddy Snape. I'm just gonna insert it in there. Harry just stands there as Snape heals his fallen calf, <laughs> then takes him to the hospital wing, and then finally returns to the bathroom. Three hours later, I can't do it. Three hours later, like I can't a do a French accent. Oh no, I just I can't do the French. French accent. You can't? No, I'm bad at French accent. You, you're great at accents. No, it's not French. Can you do an Irish accent? <laughs> Three hours Three later. Three hours later. <laughs> 5,000 times better at me than that. Harry removes his thumbs from his own ass, and Snape tells him to fetch all his books. Harry speeds back to the common room and asks Ron for his potions book, and Ron obliges, and then, rather than hiding the Half-Blood Prince's book under his mattress like a normal teenager, he goes back to his favorite corridor, and lo and behold, now that he has a use, the door opens up to a gigantic room filled with random shit, notably a vanishing cabinet and a tiara that are probably of no use whatsoever. Harry throws the book in and runs back to the bathroom. Snape flips through all the books, noting the little spell-checking quill mishap on the front of the book, and gives Harry all of the detention, starting with the night of the final Quidditch match. Snape really thinks he did something there, but he forgot about one thing. Ginny motherfucking Weasley! Henny! 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 What do you think that's from? 
Drag Race. Come on. Why, why did I say that? Come on. Of course I knew. Drag Race. I'm going to oh. do a thing that is all Drag Race at one point. It's going to be all quotes from Drag and Race. And it's just going to be you. <laughs> and you making me say quotes from yes, Drag Race. Yes, it's going to be her saying it wrong, and then it's going to be me correcting her, and that's going to be the entire thing. Speaking of, as if Harry hasn't been chastised enough with everyone digging their Potter Stinks badges out of retirement, Ginny goes in on Hermione for coming for Harry and essentially calling her out for getting her panties in a bunch when anyone is better than her at anything. And then she goes off and wins the match as the replacement seeker when Harry is doomed to detention until 1am on a fucking school night, copying irrelevant paperwork that Snape hand-selected regarding all of the mischief that the Marauders had done some 30 years earlier. Ha. Good one, half-dicked pussy. Pussy! <laughs> you were close. Okay. But... What a stupid nickname. Speaking of dicks and pussies. Pussies! <laughs> when Harry gets back to the common room to see that Ginny came through and whooped Cho's ass, how poetic, they actually make out right then and there. Hermione beams. Dean shits himself. Ron is surprisingly cool with it. Romilda melts into a puddle. Wow, guess this was a good chapter after all. So, Harry and Ginny are going out, finally. For a few blissful paragraphs, it seems like Harry is in the middle of normal teenage stuff, like girlfriends and silly rumors about non-existent tattoos and schoolwork. Of course, that's not bound to last long. Hermione won't drop the Half-Blood Prince identity, and she shows Harry a photo of a woman named Eileen Prince, and he dismisses the idea of the prince being a girl, because pronouns and gender. <laughs> I added that. <laughs> Soon after, Harry receives a missive. For, a missive. A missive. I can't believe you called it a missive. <laughs> that's what I have to say to that. From Dumbledore. That's what, that's what, do you know who Heloise and Avalon are by? No! You love French shit. This is old French shit. If you're going to say, if it's French, it's Eloise and oh. Elba. He was a professor who like had an affair with his I student. Care. And she called all of his letters missives. All right. Well, you would like this conversation is a missive. Abelard and Heloise. You would be interested in that. Okay. I've never seen a missive from You like history. Oh, some parts. I think you'd be. Harry sees a missive from Dumble and starts to head towards his office, but on the way he sees Gwen Trelawney and deduces she is trying to get in the room of requirement. She tells him someone else was in there, and after she explains more, Harry assumes she just witnessed Malfoy celebrating finally completing his task in Bully. I also assumed this, so I guess we have something to talk about in this episode. <laughs> That's funny. He suggests that <laughs> he suggests they go visit Dumble together. On the way, she's insulting Ferenz and rambling on about her first meeting with Dumble for her interview at Hogwarts. Then she drops some new information and a nice little twist. Snape had eavesdropped on her interview, and Harry puts together that Snape was the person who told Voldy most of the prophecy after overhearing it. Harry leaves Trelawney behind and goes to Dumble. The headmaster asks him what has happened, and we get caps lock Harry for a bit, while he yells at him about letting Snape and the prophecy and what Trelawney just told him. Dumble dismisses his feelings, and after some awkward interactions, he and Harry focus instead on their task for the evening, sex. Just kidding. There's some... <laughs> that was also me. There's some pretty uncomfortable questions. Sex. 
and requirements attached to stipulations for Harry to accompany Dumble. Then Harry rushes back to Gryffindor Tower and gives his remaining Felix Felicis to Ron and Hermione, gets his invisibility cloak, and goes back to Dumble's office. Dumble and Harry head into Hogsmeade, pretend like they're going to Hogshead, then they apparate into the next chapter. Dumble and Harry arrive at Palm Springs, and it is way less exciting than Harry had anticipated. Not a single palm tree in sight, and where are all the old gays? Dumble even needs to cut himself and rub blood on the wall to even get into the hotel room. And when they finally get in, they can't figure out how to turn on the lights. As they feel around to find out where they're going, they finally see a giant jacuzzi tub in the middle of the room, glowing green. It's so huge that they can't even get to the other side of the hotel room, which is probably where the lights are. After waving his hands around for a hot minute while telling Harry not to touch the water, I mean, this is Palm Springs after all, there's probably so many infections floating around in there, Dumble conjures a chain out of thin air and pulls a boat out of the jacuzzi. Wow, that's weird. They happily sail across the jacuzzi and Harry makes the mistake of looking at what's in the water. Oh, so that's where all the old gays are. <laughs> On the other side of the hotel room, their quest to turn on all the lights in their hotel room continues as they see a fancy piece of jewelry at the bottom of a basin covered with what they can only guess is every flavor of absolute vodka. They try to reach into the basin, but there is an invisible barrier that keeps them from being able to just grab the shiny green locket. Dumble understands now what this puzzle is all about. He conjures a goblet out of thin air and tells Harry that no matter what, he must drink all of the vodka in this bowl. And that no matter what Dumble says, Harry must force for him to drink it all. Dumble begins, and a few gobletfuls later, he starts to protest, refusing to drink. But Harry coaxes him through it. Dumble is crying and screaming that he wishes to die. But Harry manages to get him to drink all of the vodka. Once he's finished, Dumble lies there, practically dying from alcohol poisoning, when he mutters, Water! Harry tries to use the Aquamenti, but something about the cursed nature of this hotel room won't let the spell work properly. The only thing that Harry can think to do is take some water out of the jacuzzi. Well. <laughs> such a stupid sentence. All the old gays go absolutely crazy, popping out of the jacuzzi and coming after Harry, grabbing him and trying to pull him in. Just when Harry thinks that it's all over, rising like a phoenix, Dumble gets out and Cher's greatest hits come flying out of his wand, illuminating the dingy hotel room. All of the old gays suddenly part, allowing for Dumble and Harry to get back on the boat, and once they're on the other side, they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> At least they have a new piece of jewelry. That's what you get for not reading the reviews before booking a hotel, Dumble. So... Harry illegally apparates himself and Dumble back to Hogsmeade. They see Madame Rose Murder, who tells them that the dark mark has been set off over the school. She helpfully loans them brooms, and even though Dumble is barely conscious, he's still able to undo the spells he has up around Hogwarts because of course he can. He and Harry fly towards the astronomy tower because that's where the dark mark is. And also, if you can fly into the grounds, why wouldn't you fly to the highest tower? Before Harry can go get Snape, like Dumble requests, they hear someone coming up the stairs and Dumble immobilizes Harry, who, for the second time in this book, is now trapped unmoving under his invisibility cloak. 
The person who runs in is Draco, who has disarmed Dumble. Then, instead of taking Draco out by some other badass on the greatest fucking wizard ever skill, Dumble does a little download with the baby Death Eater. They very helpfully go through the book and all of Draco's attempts to kill him that were all pretty terrible. They then discuss Harry's favorite person while he's stuck under the cloak, and he gets to overhear their argument over whether or not Snape loves Voldy more than Dumbledore. I noticed that little typo in there where uh, she said Harry's favorite person. It actually should be Tara's favorite person, but I Get out of here. A fun fact to learn here, though, is that Draco is not entirely useless. He apparently has some fancy carpentry skills and fixed a cabinet all by himself. <laughs> There's more back and forth between Dumble and Draco, and then three new Death Eaters and the fuckface <laughs> show up. They all make really bad jokes about Dumbledore, and he zings better ones back. <laughs> Kindly offers to bite him before he can have a little Dumble snack. Snape shows up. Harry would roll his eyes in annoyance if he weren't frozen and invisible, but instead he just continues to do nothing. Oh, and at the end of this chapter, Snape kills Dumbledore. Yes! What? Harry runs after Snape, straight through the carnage happening throughout the halls of Hogwarts, attempting to fling curses at Snape and the Caros. Harry keeps blocking each one, calling Snape a coward. Essentially, it's a Crash Bandicoot level of a chapter. Shout out to this, Crash Bandicoot. Sponsor us. This all ends when the unnamed blonde bitch, not Draco, that they're fleeing with continues to give Harry a taste of his own medicine, but is stopped by Snape. It turns out calling Snape names is so much more powerful than any spell, as that's what causes Snape to lose his temper. And this is when we we reveal <laughs> that he reveals that. We reveals that. <laughs> Wait for it. This And this when we reveal that. Wait for it. <laughs> Snape was the Half-Blood Prince all along. What? <laughs> After they skip off, we turn back to Hagrid's hut, which is on fire. Hagrid bravely emerges. Oh, just like the Weasley's house. Just Damn like it. the Weasley's house. I'm, Only this actually happened. I wrote this. I did not have the You jokes. know what? I don't think this happens in the movie, but it happens in the fucking book. <laughs> okay. As they skip off, we turn back to Hagrid's hut, which is on fire. Hagrid bravely emerges from his home carrying Fang on his shoulders, and then Harry and Hagrid douse the flames, as Hagrid says that Dumble will have no problem fixing this. I hate to tell you this, Hagrid, but I think he's going to have quite a bit of problem doing that this time. As they reapproach the calendar... <laughs> I was just at work in the middle of a meeting because I'm leaving my job. So oh, no, I no, it's less. calendar now. <laughs> As they reapproach the calendar that Hogwarts, what is it? Was it Castle? Castle? <laughs> As they reapproach the calendar, the Hogwarts students do something that they are all very familiar with. Waking up to trauma as the dark mark continues to loom over the sky above Dumbledore's dead body. As if it wasn't bad enough, the locket that Harry and Dumble managed to retrieve from the cave is fake, and inside is a little love note from a previous Horcrux hunter, R.A.B. Actually, so the locket journey... was cake all along. God damn it, all the jokes are coming to me right now. <laughs> the locket was cake all along. <laughs> so this journey was all for nothing. Unless you count this as yet another clue toward finding the Horcrux. 
insert joke here about R.I.B. being some other famous person with the initials R.B. Except all the people I could find with those initials are people I've never heard about in my life. Ginny manages to get Harry to leave Dumble's body and she leads him to the hospital wing. Gwen Pom Pom is rocking her healer skills and has been treating everyone who was hurt, including Bill, who was attacked by fuckface. Though had not been a full werewolf that night, Bill should be okay, if you count losing part of your face as okay. Ginny decides that she might as well share more shitty news and tells the group that Dumbledore is dead. Harry gives the important details. Draco disarmed Dumbledore, more Death Eater showed up, Snape murdered him. Just then, they hear Fox screaming, Fuck y'all! Dumbly's gone! And this place sucks about him. And then he sets some shit on fire and pieces out. Mega comes in and learns about Snape, and they all discuss how much of a piece of garbage he is. Harry informs them all how the Death Eaters got in. Then everyone gives a recap of the battle that happened while Harry was stuck on the astronomy tower. After that depressing discussion, Molly and Arthur and Fleur arrive. Dumble's death and Bill's uncertain future are discussed more, and Mrs. Weasley and Fleur have a super awkward argument. Then Tonks and Lupin have an even more awkward discussion. McGut tries to get Harry to tell her what he and Dumble were doing just before he died, but Harry told her sorry secret guy stuff. Then the heads of House and Hagrid discuss closing the school, and Professor Sprout argues that Hogwarts should be open for any student who wants to return. Hagrid's like, well, since my actual house is on the grounds, I'll be here. They discuss Dumble's funeral, then Harry gets the fuck out of there before Lion Man can show up. With one last devastating punch in the face, Harry tells Ron that after everything, the Horcrux he and Dumble went to get was a fake. It's funeral day, and the Hogwarts Express heads back home a mere hour after the funeral. Wow, they spare no time to allow the student body to deal with this huge loss. A handful of students have left already due to the security breach, but Hogwarts is still storming the people we recognize from throughout the series pay their respects. From Mrs. Fig to the Grops, from the Mermaids to the Sagittariuses, everything makes Harry both reminisce about the memories involving Dumble from the past few years, such as his few words from years ago to the Triwizard Tournament. It's also worth noting that Hagrid has the esteemed and very depressing job of bringing Dumble's body down the aisle to his final resting place. Talk a little bit more about Snape as if we haven't heard enough yet, as it's revealed that Eileen Prince was indeed Snape's mother, but that's no shock now since Tara explained all of that already. Harry also gradually feels the reality and gravity of the situation and what must be done next. And not wanting to put anyone else in danger, he breaks up, in quotes, temporarily, with Ginny. So the new lesson that Harry has to learn in his final book is that he can't do everything by himself and that it's okay to ask for help, right? Oh, also, Bill Nye the Science Guy is there and nothing has changed with their approach despite the very, very clear writing on the wall. And and this isn't just paint from the Hogsmeade Michaels like last time. Hmm, I wonder if this has anything to do with the ministry being overthrown soon. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah, back to that lesson. Ron and Hermione start that now. When Harry says that he is leaving Hogwarts to go hurt for when Harry says that he's leaving Hogwarts to go Horcrux hunting, and they say they're coming with him. After all, just Harry in the woods for hundreds of pages wouldn't be nearly as engaging. And so, we pour one out for Dumble, and are shocked that somehow we've made it to the end of season six. Yay! That was fun! One more book! <laughs> 
for us to read to you next time. <laughs> In the meantime, keep listening to the season. Yeah. Next time, we actually are going to share something that we have already given to our Patreons. This is one of our favorite Patreon things ever, but let's go ahead and say best Patreon exclusive from 2023. Okay. Great. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye. <laughs> Happy things. Festivus. And New Year's. You will. Yeah. Yep. Good enough. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!